Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I ain't gonna lie. I'm, I'm coming in hot tonight. I'm coming in hot tonight. <laughs> I'm coming in. I'm, I am in fuego. I can't like tell this you how week, many times. Yo, listen, this week... Mm-hmm. I am just mad. I haven't been this mad in a week. Anyhow, all right. But I did, <laughs> but I was able to. I thought I put that anger into the. Uh, into your music? Into the music, into my okay. into my music, you know. That's all right. We have an open. We, uh, you, know, you know, the open, the, 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 the rally, the opens keeps going. All right, let's see what we got. All right, pull up my drums. Hold up. <clears throat> Hold on, let me pull up. Racism's killed more than Rona, but guess which one's going to get a vaccine? That's an aha. Yeah, I know what it's about to say. That's a ha-ha. But frankly, ain't nothing funny. That's a ha-ha. Ha-ha. Now that came in really hot. <laughs> that, that came in hot. That was really good. Every week yeah. I look forward. No, 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 no. That was real. You're that a was, talented, is, hot fellow. Sybil, that was as real as it gets. Welcome to yeah. From Ha-Has to Ahas with Sybil and Steve. Um, with Sybil Wilson. And he is... I'm, I'm, I'm Stephen Hill. I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm off. I admit it. I want to say that at the top of this, I love doing this. There's nothing I look forward to during this Rona uh, than doing this with you. Uh, but I got to admit, I was scared earlier today when I knew we had to do it. Um, I'm sorry, you, you just asked me what my name was. I went too far. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm Stephen. <laughs> I'm Stephen. Hi. I'm, I'm used to most men going too far and too fast, so that's okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Only you could get a laugh out of me right now in this situation uh, as, uh-huh. as it is today. Well, it has been, good. it's been the longest, sh- sh- what, half a week in, in history. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of these last couple of days since Monday uh, and the events that have transpired since. And, and starting out uh, on, a, on a lighter note, we talk about the incident in uh, Central Park. What, down the street from you, Steve? It is two blocks. Central Park is literally two blocks away from me. Literally, not figuratively, literally two blocks the- away. And the ramble is a section of Central Park in which people go there to look at animals, to watch the birds. That's where the birds uh, seem to frequent and and hang out. And they ask that people keep their pets, their dogs mainly, on a leash. And uh, the event happened on Monday that a man by the name of Cooper, Christian Cooper, uh, was out bird watching early in the morning Monday. And came across this woman, as he was looking for birds, came across a woman named Amy. Karen. Karen. (laughs) We'll call her Karen. Uh, We'll call her Karen. She was out with her dog who was not on a leash as the rules and regulations require. And so Christian Christian said, you know, you need to put your dog on a leash. And she's like, no. For those of for those of you who are in rural areas, I do need to point out this whole leash thing is a serious thing in New York City. Like I get if you have you have wide open expanses and you can let your dog run, that's fine. That's not how New York is built. So a dog being on a leash in New York City is a very, very 
it's a, it's an important thing. It's not just like, oh, maybe you can have it on a leash. That's the rule in New York. You have to obey it. You rarely see a dog off a leash. I want to have that for context. Uh, Sybil, yes. <laughs> well, it's definitely needed to have context because I think a lot of people are like, well, what the hell does a, a leash mean? So what? Mm-hmm. No, it's a big mm-hmm. deal. It's a BFD. And huge, so, huge. Um, it, and and the thing about this is, is that this young man just had such presence of mind. It's not new to him. This situation is not new. He has encountered pet owners before who refused to put their, their pets on a leash uh, because of this area where he likes to go and, and watch birds. He's a real, he's a legitimate bird watcher. And so they got into it as we saw the video and that um, she was going to call the police and tell them that an African-American man was threatening her. And he's like, well, you're not going to like what's going to happen because he had a treat for the dog and the dog was, and that poor dog. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about that after we talk about the, the lack of respect that she gave to this man and then the way she treated this dog. And so she did get on the phone and as if, he were trying to take her life. She was that dramatic and that over the top in her call to 911. And um, then he, he took the video and he sat on it for a minute and then he decided to put mm-hmm. it on Facebook. Let's see what happens. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, did it take mm-hmm. off. And as, as a lot of these videos have, and as he said, you know, he's just not here for it. He said, you know, we, we know how uh, the people treat us, first of all, regarding us as black men. Then we know how uh, the pe- white people are going after black men and, and referenced Ahmaud Arbery. And he said, I'm just not here for it. And that's why I had my camera and and then released the video. And uh, they were on CNN. And uh, as it came out, she works for a Wall Street company. She is a financial advisor. She was put on temporary leave. <laughs> you, okay, check that, check that verb tense. Check that verb tense. Yeah, yeah worked. <laughs> you said, did you say she works? She works for? Worked for, right? I get pleasure out of that, so I wanted to hear it again. I know, right? So so uh, then she was fired. They came back and, and put it on Twitter and oh, she's fired. We we don't take these acts of racism lightly and she's fired. And then the shelter where she got the dog, they took the dog back and Love uh, that, like, by the way. And like it's I a said, great epilogue. It was just, it's, it's, crazy. it's like a cartoon. It's a cartoon like when Wiley Cody gets beat and like he's sitting there like huffed and all of a sudden like Tweety Bird comes back and like grabs the last crumb and runs away. <laughs> so and and comes out that christian is uh not your typical uh bird watcher he is a harvard educated sorry to the yaley that's listening um he's a harvard educated man and um is a part of audubon society and um you know, he has said that she gave an apology. A lot of people don't think that that was enough. They and and other people think that her being fired was too much. And so what? We, yeah. What? Who thinks that? Oh no! Let me go find. Give me. You got an address uh, for that person? Uh, yeah. You're looking at her. <laughs> Um, and a part of our discussion was not only did, did this uh, person think that that was too much, but there's also the discussion that 
she is not your average. I'm going to pick up the phone and call the police white woman. She has worked for the Obamas, uh, for the foundation. She's lived on the South side of Chicago. So her interactions with black people are not infrequent. And, um, Mm -hmm. and where all of this came from, uh, we don't know, but, uh, I think if if they were going to fire her, I know exactly where it came from. Where? I know where it came from. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. You you have you can say some of your best friends are black. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But there becomes when you are upset and you have fight or flight, there is a moment of indignance that I always find special. Right? It happens with every Karen. Every Karen that calls, there's that moment of indignance, and that moment is usually when Karen is caught in the video, looks straight into the camera, and realize this probably isn't going to end up going very well for her. So mm-hmm. what does Karen do in every point? They double down. Every time a Karen will double down. They double down on their privilege. They double down on their relationship with the police. They double down on the Emmett Till of it all. They mm. double it down. Oof. And they go all the way in because they believe that at the end of the day, they will be successful over whatever African-American person is in front of them if they get the police there present. They have not quite caught on to the whole video thing. And thank goodness, (laughs) there's been videos that have taken these Karens down. And that's why, that's why they double down on the indignance. And that's why, depending on, doesn't matter whether you work for Obama, doesn't work for, doesn't matter who you work for, that fight or flight brings instinct and not reason. Mm. And doesn't matter who your best friends are. No, it's it's an interesting and 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 the irony of all of this for me, Stephen, was the location of where this took place in Central Park, where five young men were alleged Mm -hmm. to have committed a, a, Mm -hmm. a rape of a white woman. Um, an act that they did not commit, that they had no part in, and that they were railroaded into and spent time in prison as a result of it until they were exonerated, Mm -hmm. the exonerated five. And what Mm -hmm. could have happened with this case if both of them had stayed or, you know, no telling how he would have been treated by police, we don't know. Um, But the lucky thing was, is that they did not. So, it is, it's just awful. It's just awful. We're talking about the treatment of young black men, of black men in general, actually. And um, we are going to uh, welcome our guest today, Stephen Hill. We have uh, two people who are raising young black men, as well as one is a young black man himself, uh, in addition to you, Steve. Uh, so let's say hello to uh, Laura Clack. Hey, Laura. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming, for coming on. Thanks for coming. And Dana O'Banion, have not had the pleasure of meeting you, but really uh, looking forward to hearing what you have to say. You are an old married guy with two sons. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> the oldest is a Yale graduate and the youngest is a rising junior uh, at another school that you may have heard of. And you uh, reside on the south side of Chicago. Hi, Dana. How are you? Hi. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. So we are talking about these situations that happened this week. Uh, First, of course, we talked about the Cooper situation with Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper, as Steve likes to call her, Um, not Amy, but Karen. Uh, Karen, But but 
But uh, on the serious tip, right after this happened on Monday, Monday night came the situation with uh, with our, our now friend, uh, now infamous named uh, George Floyd. George Floyd was a young man originally from Houston, uh, now living in Minneapolis. He was uh, called the a grocery store called him about committing forgery with a a, a, a bad bill or whatever, uh, you know, an amount of money. And um, the police came, they put him in uh, restraints and put him in the, the police car. Uh, they said then he became uh, d- destructive and, and they pulled him out of the police car. And that's when all of this, we saw the video start and with him being taken down to the ground and uh, his uh, his rights to, of movement being taken to the extreme where the policeman who uh, has now been fired from the Minneapolis Police Department put his knee into the neck of George Floyd and subsequently George Floyd died uh, from strangulation as, as it will probably prove as we can here's say. A, here's, here's a little fact for you. Uh, uh, knee restraint is nowhere in the police procedure uh, manual. Just want to point that out to you. Well. Nowhere. Nowhere. It's, Nowhere it's, do you put a knee in someone's neck. Just want to point that out. It's well, not, it's not know, standard procedure. Point that out. I'm I'm not sure what what form chokehold takes in the police manual, but this is uh, this is what happened. This is what killed George mm-hmm. Floyd. Mm-hmm. And so so our discussion over the last several weeks, Dana and Laura, has been. For me, it's that discussion that you're having with your children. Uh, Laura, you're a single mom. You have raised a young man, and now he is going to college. He's graduating. Congratulations to you on on this great feat. Um, And yet, uh, some of the hardest work may still be to come uh, as far as keeping him alive. And and Dana, I want uh, both of you to, to talk about this because Dana, as a man on the South side of Chicago, and I'm a South side girl, people don't believe that, but I do come from the South side of Chicago. And um, this is a, this is an everyday occurrence for a lot of people. And so if we could just get you, um, Laura, perhaps you could start and give us your experiences and talk about the discussions that you've had to have with, with your boy, uh, your now young man, regarding um, the streets and, and police and white people. And, and I could go on and on, but you know right. what I'm saying. Right, exactly. Um, and by the way, my father was a police officer, but um, I, I just remember from the moment I found out I was having a son, I knew because I have a background in social services. I have worked with, you know, underserved communities. I knew immediately what had to happen. And it's, you know, you go into this and without even really thinking as a, as a black person myself, being in social services, knowing what our young black men face every day, um, I knew that at an early age, I would have to have these talks with my son and make sure that the men in his life would have these talks with him as well. So in addition to all of the regular talks that you have, you know, no means no, and, you know, uh, cleaning your room and making sure that you're doing your schoolwork and all of those things, you also, at a very young age, have to tell your uh, particularly Black son Um, but daughters as well, but your black son, Mm -hmm. that the same rules apply to them 
I remember my grandfather telling me, when you start this race behind, you have to run faster or you will continue to stay behind. And that is what I've had to tell my son. I've had to tell him in spite of, you know, my father being a police officer and him having a very close relationship with him in spite of that, still had to tell him, everyone is not going to treat you with respect or the way that they should. And these are the things that you have to do. And it, it really makes me mad that I have to tell my son, you know, mm -hmm. make sure that your hands are, you know, you're, we're sh you're showing your hands. And these are things that we do without even thinking about it. This is just common in our community um, amongst black people and brown mm -hmm. people. This is common. This is not, you know, should I, shouldn't I? No, you have to. Yeah, there's no question. Right. Dana, did you find the same thing um, and growing and, and, and did you grow up on the south side of Chicago knowing this and and ha knowing that you were going to have to have this uh, talk with your son at sons at an early age? So I did grow up on the south side of Chicago. Um, interestingly enough, I grew up at a time where we had officer friendly. Mm -hmm. So there was I loved this, Officer uh, Friendly. <laughs> so I mean, I'm Officer Friendly, the friendly officer. <laughs> I loved so Officer Friendly. Really I'm sorry. Take it from from my perspective as a young child or anything else, because I didn't mm. have those type of run-ins. In fact, I remember hanging out, but um, I were on our way to a party down on South Michigan Avenue, a house music party that didn't start till 10 or 11. And the police rolled up on us and said, what are you guys doing? And we said, we're walking, because we were walking about, I don't know, four or five miles to get to this party. Mm. And they you picked us up and dropped that us. Party. <laughs> yeah, and they dropped us off. So, wow. you know, when we pulled up and they, they hung the U and dropped us off, people were, you know, gave out expletives like, man, they got dropped off by the police. And mm -hmm. so it was, a, it was a different existence, a different time then. But over the course of years prior to my son's being born, we certainly see things like Rodney King and a whole host of other uh, incidents with police officers that make you very, very cognizant of our interaction with them. So similar to what Laura said, I mean, I've had those conversations with my sons. Um, Do you remember and, the first you know, conversation? I really don't because I think for me in terms of raising my sons, I mean, it's been from, in essence, the womb all the way up until now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, it's hard for me to pinpoint when I had the conversation. I know one conversation that I had with my son uh, as he was in high school and dating someone when I you know, didn't necessarily think he should be dating anyone. Mm. And the kind of incident that came about from that, and it was, you know, it could have been a racial situation, but fortunately it you know he had done nothing but it was a you know was, i would call it becky ish or karen ish <laughs> or whatever you want to call it uh -huh. um, and and mm -hmm. my my words were you know this is that ish i was telling you about <laughs> um, right <laughs> you know so mm -hmm. i mean that that stands out to me because it it was more than you know it it was external it was there was somebody else bringing that and it was exactly what i had in essence, had in my mind as, as far as a warning, but right. So, um, so if I get if yeah. this correct, if I understand this correctly, your your uh, your son was dating someone who was uh, of a different race. He was. 
yeah. So, so your I would imagine your conversation with that son has to be different than like has to be a a much more wide ranging because it's not necessarily just your environment. Like that that conversation feels like it needs to be earlier. Did you feel like you had to different have a different conversation because of that, or change it, or or make it more strong, or or, or what? Well, again, I had conversation with my sons about anybody they hung out with and they 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 went to one of a, a um very diverse high school so they had diverse friends they basically both played baseball and soccer so the people on those teams were their friends i mean simple things like when you go when you all go to the mall i would ask them do your friends steal and mm-hmm. i say you know because if, okay. if you're in that group they're going to look at you like you're the ringleader Right. You know, you need to avoid and stay away from people like that. So, I mean, there, there's a whole host of just little incidents that, that have occurred throughout their lives where I would take that incident and then take use it as a teaching moment. Um, on a cruise, I don't want to belabor this, but on a cruise one time, we were some kids threw one of the life rings over, overboard and the cruise ship got delayed when, when, when we arrived in the Bahamas. They put all those families off and said, you know, you got to find your way home. They they violated. Wow. And I said to my sons, I said, you know what? I said, only one person threw that ring over. I said, but it was four kids. I said, not one of them. All of them thought it was funny and jokey mm-hmm. joke and not one of them. I said, you have to take the responsibility to know what's right and what's wrong. And if something like that mm-hmm. happens, you need to step away from it. And you need to be going to the captain saying, you know, these dudes right here did X, Y, Z. So that, because it would have been a different story for me to get thrown off that ship. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, of course, we ain't got yeah. that kind of we ain't got that kind of money, <laughs> none of that. We spent everything to get on it, so I don't have time for shenanigans like that. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you use different incidents, and that's how I taught them. I look at things on TV and say, "Come here, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about what this athlete had to say. Listen to how he talks." You better not talk like that when you're on, if you ever get to that level, you know? So I use a lot of different real life instances to point out things. And I think, I mean, like I said, I live on the South side, the Hideo Pendleton thing mm. uh, hit my heart, hit my oldest son very hard because that playground is the playground that is, would be the equivalent of there's one house between that house and my mother's house. Wow. And we live a block from my mother. So my kids walk by there all the time and go into right. my parents' home. And they played there oftentimes. So, um, you know, there was a, a kind of ruckus in the household with my son saying, when are we moving? You know, and I'm like, we're in. And at that point, I said, we're in one of the safest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Right, right. I mean, that just that's just mm-hmm. how it was. So, so um, just uh, for, for people who don't remember, Hadia Pendleton was a young woman who was in high school and she her band performed at the Obama inauguration, the second inauguration. And just days after that, she was hanging out with her friends in the park that Dana has referenced uh, on the south side of Chicago and uh, a drive by shooting and she was killed. Um, and it it. it 
created a, a wave of, of, of concern about this. And, and it, was, uh, it was something that really affected Chicago, but also a lot of other people because of the, the connection with the Obama inauguration and what have you. Um, Laura, I hear you co-signing. And, and so mm-hmm. just wondering uh, from your perspective about the conversation, especially um, as you mentioned, your father being a, a policeman and, and, and these conversations with your son and, and how you um, directed him in those conversations? Pretty much I, I just, you know, piggybacking on, on, on what Dana said, just um, always making sure that my son knows that when he's with his friends and, um, you know, if they're not Black, just that he doesn't get the same treatment. They don't, the treatment is not equal. And um, and that's always been a conversation. And and I just want to add that. And you were talking about your son dating someone, um, and my son hasn't, you know, really had a, a, a girlfriend per se. But I've even we've even talked about that. You know, um, the difference in in choosing someone, and I'll I'll, I'll just say choosing someone white, who. Um, you know, whoever he falls in love with, you know, is fine, but I don't feel like that person would understand his his circumstance, what he has to deal with in this world. And when you come home from dealing with everything that the world has to to um to give you as a black man, um, you know, a white person is just not gonna understand that. And um I've told him that. And so we've had that conversation and you have to be very careful because if, you know, the minute she says, I want to do something, um, it just, it changes the, the whole, it can change the entire trajectory of your life mm-hmm. just based on her saying, you don't have to do anything, but just her accusing you of, of doing something or, you know, that alone. And, and just, let me also add, I think just the psyche of our young black men having to deal with, um, you know, because I, I find that it's a very fine line to always have to say, you know, um, you know, you have to be careful. You have to make sure you're making good decisions. You have to look around yourself and, you, and, and, you know, just going above and beyond and just really belaboring that point. And then almost like really taking away their innocence. Other mm-hmm. children get to go out and, play and not think about, hey, I'm black, I better not do this because, um, but our young men, our young women, but our young men in particular, don't get that same advantage. They don't get that same privilege as other children at a very young age. And I feel like sometimes we we rob them of their innocence and I don't want to break, I I always said, I don't want to break my son's spirit, but I Mm -hmm. have to. It is a necessity that I tell him, um, listen, you are not, y'all are not the same. (laughs) has he come home has he come from any kind of event before and said like mom i'm so glad you told me that because this happened yes absolutely um and it happened uh this summer as a matter of fact at a grocery at a gas station um he was in summer school and he waited until we got almost home because he knows his mama (laughs) And, (laughs) and he said um yeah you know we went into the grocery store we were uh, and the guy comes, you know, comes from the back and says, hey, I saw you put something in your pocket. And, you know, 
on and on and on. And what happens is, thank goodness, the, the other young man's uncle came in and said, okay, well, let's see the camera. Because he said, well, I have it on camera. And he said, okay, well, let's see the camera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as it turned out, it wasn't. Well, the guy said, I'm going to call the police. And so my son said, mom, I was embarrassed. I knew I hadn't stolen anything. I didn't know what the other guy, he said, I just, I was nervous. I was scared. He said, and all I could think about was what you, and that's what he said. All I could think about was what you were telling me. If the police, yeah. come, be, you know, stay calm. Um, don't talk mm-hmm. back, you know, don't, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And so of course I immediately made a U-turn. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> mostly, mostly, mostly Really, I had to mm-hmm. let this man know that potentially my son and this other young man could have been killed. This is not mm-hmm. just two teenagers and they scare them and, you know, and they say, hey, you better not do that again. And No, that's our children don't get that. Right. They don't get our that children, second chance. Right. And so I had to let him know, this is serious. This is not about, you know, if you thought you saw something or I don't know what the deal was, but the repercussions are deadly. Yes. And I think that's what, that's the, that's the challenge that that, that they're like deadly, not, that's not, that's not hyperbole. That's reality. Exactly. and Laura, if I can just, because this was a, a subject of our discussion earlier on uh, Instagram Live, and Stephen has two young nephews. Um, the oldest is is the love of his life, and uh, <laughs> Charlie. And um, we talked about that loss of innocence, um, that, that he didn't have a chance, and, and it was related to George Floyd. So, Steve, can you repeat that? Oh, it just, you know, it's it, it, with George Floyd going on, I, I, you know, I love my nephews, but, but as they become people, it's really astonishing to see who they become. And so the 15 year old has to put on Instagram, uh, a, a, a picture of, uh, the knee in George Floyd's neck, uh, juxtaposed with the knee that, um, Colin Kaepernick did during a, a football game. Oh, so many years ago, it's been now. Um, and that my 15 year old nephew understands that, uh, you know, that Colin Kaepernick, and he's from the Bay area, by the way, my nephew's in the Bay area. So he and Colin Kaepernick, there's a, there's a, there's a bond with his, his, uh, his athleticism and his, his, his professional, his professional team. Um, but the fact that he's able to tie that and, and to George Young's, uh, horrific situation. And he says, it's time we talk about this. It was just simple. And it's like, he doesn't get to just go out and enjoy playing soccer, baseball, and basketball, right? He's run into he's run into other challenges uh, a, a, around race, and it's like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you, how do? You, there's no more question. It's just it's just unfortunate. I understand for for both of you that's it's meant protecting your children in a way that um, we're clear no, not many other people do. Right. Absolutely. I find myself as well. If I see some young men, some young black men and a police officer, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to look and just make sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, In your conversation, I'm just curious, in in your conversations with your sons, do you, Mm -hmm. is there any part of it that says like, have your phone at the ready and be ready to record everything? I have not had that conversation. Yes. And and interestingly enough, so my son is 
about to make his way driving mm. uh, from from New Haven back to mm. Chicago. Um, and, you know, initially my reaction was, uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, I'd like to fly out there and take the ride with him. And, you know, he's grown and he came up with his reasons. You know, Dad, I, I, I'm driving because I don't want to get on a flight. And having you get on a flight with this corona thing going on kind of defeats the purpose. And then I've got to drive with <laughs> you in the car when you've been on the plane mm. and so on and so forth. And ultimately, I said, you know what? Sounds like you've made your mind up. Be safe. And I'll see you when you get home. Mm-hmm. Because there, there is a certain amount of, you know, he, he's he's grown, and I'm, and I try to uh, respect that, and respect that there are things that he's going to want to do, um, even though I am concerned about the prospect of driving uh, 14 hours across, I don't know, four to five states alone, um, alone, right, and. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I also, you know, know that he is, he's been and remains very responsible. And so he's going to make a stop, you know, or stop whenever he needs to and post up at a hotel or something like that. So, you know, it, it's, it's those kind of things, you know, that I, that are of concern, but I, I try not to worry about them because I wouldn't sleep at all if I worried about thinking about every last thing that, um, mm that necessarily goes on. But to that point, I mean, I'm, I'm 55 years old and I go on walks. I've been doing some walks during this Corona time and I can't go to the lakefront. So I'm walking around various neighborhoods. Well, I walked seven and a half miles a couple of days ago, covered several different neighborhoods. And in my uh-huh. head, I'm thinking about uh, Ahmaud Arbery. This mm. is me as a grown man, mm-hmm. you know, walking down the street, just on a walk beautiful neighborhoods and everything else. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't expect that kind of thing, but you know, somebody might call the police and say, you know, there's somebody strange walking through the neighborhood. And so I'm very cognizant of that. And I think that we all need to be cognizant of that, that, you know, I I kind of liken it to living in an open air police state. That's, that's how I liken our existence in this particular space, because we're asked for our papers you know, yeah. to prove that we belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think necessarily that every time a white person says they're afraid, I don't think that whoever that woman was in Central Park, that she was afraid. I think she was offended and pissed, even that uh, the, the black man didn't know his place. You know, she could be yeah. wrong and, and exercising her privilege of walking her dog without a leash and, and that a black man or a black person would say to her, you know, it's supposed to be on a leash that that goes against all all her sensibilities. Yeah. Well, he did offer the treats. But there's no, there's no fear. There's no fear. <laughs> he, he, he did try to kind of commandeer the dog a little bit. But that's uh, but the point is she got it. She, it was angry. It wasn't it wasn't she wasn't scared to your point. I'm, right. I'm actually I'm jokingly saying like it was it was anger it was never fear. It was an attempt to weaponize exactly. the force. Exactly. Dangerous. Right. Laura, Laura, and, and Dana, let me ask you this, because uh, Dana, you're an attorney, Laura, you're in social services. And so um, just in terms of your own experiences uh, and, and knowing what we know today about what has just happened over the last couple of days, how will your conversations or will they change or will there be something different in your conversations with your young men as we go forward? 
Oh, well, for me, um, nothing will change um, because I've always been very adamant about, um, you know, the things that my son is going to face and the things that, um, and I, and I try very hard not to be, um, militant. Um, it's kind of hard though, isn't it? it? I mean, it, it really is difficult. And, and, but he, he also really understands where I'm coming from and what he has to do and why I'm so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say overprotective or, or maybe I am overprotective. Um, but the conversation stays the same. And I, I think um, you asked, you know, have you ever told them to tape, you know, if they get stopped, that they need to record. And I don't know that I specifically have said that, but we've watched TV and I know that, I, you know, we've had this conversation and, and it's, it was said, this is why you have to always make sure that, you know, either your phone is on or you call someone and say, listen, I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but I just, you know, was pulled over or you just, you, you have to do these things. There, there is no such thing mm -hmm. as, as a routine traffic stop. You have to always have the thought in your head. And again, I hate, I hate this, but you always have to have the thought in your head that, okay, something may occur. Something mm -hmm. may go down, you know, whereas mm -hmm. other people don't have to do that. They can get stopped and pulled over and you know, even my clients, I work with disabled clients and I have my black clients. One of the mothers had to, uh, because he likes to walk around, he likes bugs, one of my clients. And she had to put a note in everyone's mailbox and say he, uh, you know, because he's, he's rather large, you know, he has a, a disability. If you see him, please don't be frightened. He's not going to do anything. None of my white parents ever have to do their, that with their children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, kudos to you for raising a, a smart, fine black boys who know how to navigate the system. There's more to there's more to go. And there's a special there's a special um, set of instructions that go with um, especially black boys who grow up in diverse areas. So kudos to you for making that making that making that done. Making that happen. And that's from a black boy that came from a diverse area and schooling and all of it too. So <laughs> they were, they, they, yeah, that's true because they were both light skinned and dark skinned black people in my they both like, so that's, that's very diverse. That was in Washington, <laughs> DC. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Appreciate appreciate you coming on. And uh all the best to all in your academic endeavors. And congratulations all to the, the graduates there in your households and, and, and safe travels to all of them. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks for your time. We really appreciate it and would like to continue the conversation as well. Um, if we get an opportunity to do that again, I enjoyed our conversation with you. So thank you, Laura. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dana. And we appreciate it. And, and so sorry. Can I just say that? Um, so Joe Biden's going to have to be better than just the other guy. Joe Biden is going to have to be better than just being the other guy. He's going to have to be. No, it's, it's simple. Right now, he's just the other guy, and he's saying a whole bunch of things that he shouldn't be saying. He's just the other guy, right? So, so Sybil, you know what? You know what he should never say? You know what he should never say? Joe Biden what? should never say, you ain't black. I don't care what it is. He could be, he can be talking to a kettle. He should not be going, you ain't black. <laughs> he could be talking to the night. He doesn't get to say, you ain't black. These are things that Joe Biden does not get to do. The, the, he's the, got to be better than the other guy. He's got to be better than just being the other guy. 
the Crayola crayon. He just can't say. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. You yeah. know what? Well, I'm sorry. What was it? No, 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 no. I um I I wanted to um to to uh, acknowledge Dana's book because he has a, a book about uh, it's an anthology called Portraits of Fatherhood and um, the he is Dana O'Banion uh, and also um, uh, the author Dana O'Banion as well as attorney so I want to thank him for that and I'm sorry thank you very to, much. But, I, but I wanted to give him his props too. Um, too so it's more than Joe Biden would have done I'll tell you right now <laughs> it's more than Joe Biden would have done so, so let me what else? What else cannot can black can, can white folks not say well, or do? Well, Sybil, it got me thinking. Got me thinking. You know, what are what, like you ain't black. And by, by the way, I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm thinking about I'm thinking about buying the I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about buying the Trump T-shirt just just for fun. <laughs> Trump, in case you don't know, Trump has a T. Literally, day after Biden said that, Trump had T-shirts printed up saying hashtag You ain't black. Right. I'm not kidding. They're yeah. being sold on the Trump site. What are some other things that white people should never say to black people? What do you, what do you think? Um, one of the things that I always uh, hated was, can I touch your hair? Can I touch your hair? Absolutely. Never said hey, I don't know. I don't know if anybody has asked you that of late. Um, but well, still. <laughs> yes, but that's another story. <laughs> I, I actually wasn't happy. I was, I was like, go, go right ahead, Becky. Um, <laughs> All right. Continuing the things that white people should never say to black people. Yes. You know, you know, your friend Tyrone was so articulate. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, how about speaking of, you know, talking about people, you know, or, or do you know your dad? <laughs> <laughs> don't just don't say that. Just don't say that. <laughs> Please. Please do not. Please do not. Uh, I do know him. He's no longer with us, but that uh, does not know. It just no. has nothing to do with that. As an uh, adjunct to that, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, I have a friend, Georgette. She's black, too. Do you know her? <laughs> no, don't, don't. Just don't do it. Just, I don't care how comfortable you are. I don't care if you're walking your dog in Central Park. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Anything else? Um, when we come to your party, will you all, uh, will everybody teach me how to do the electric slide? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> or I like the cha-cha slide because the instructions come in the song. That's um, funny. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, at, at the uh, at the barbecue. Um, uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Well, no, no. Uh, you know what? And they say this. They they look right. You, they look you in the eye, and they say that with sincerity. You know, I listen to the Tom Jordan Morning Show every day, so I understand the black experience. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't sound like you belong on that show. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> things. White people should never, ever say to black people, if you are white and listening to this, we welcome you. We love you. We do. So you should have a pen and paper so that you write this down and know what never to say. What else should we not say? Should I not say? Okay, so I'm going to I, I want to close this out by with what black people should never do or say. So if you have any others, I just want to I just want to put a. Uh, you know. I, let me do my, um, very quickly. 
wow, I can't believe AJ got off. Where's the justice? <laughs> to this day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that song, Before I Let Go, is really neat. Who does that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and I believe the number one answer, well, the number one answer is obvious. Mm-hmm. The number one answer is, nah! I can't. <laughs> you should never say that. No. Uh, but the number two answer, I believe, is uh, there were very fine people on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, ever say that. All right, all right. All right, where are we going? What's the next one? The, the people that who can't do the what? What's now, the next one? So this is the one thing, the one thing that black folks can't do or say. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. In light of what Joe Biden said this week, you cannot say I'm not going to vote. That's it. That is I'm it. not that is going to vote. You that is cannot. the equivalent of white people saying the N-word. For me, it is. 100%. That's how that's how offended I am by this, by saying I'm not going to. We have to. This shows us more than anything else. We can work on another party. We can work on you know anything we need to do over the next four years. But right now, it's too important that we get out there and that we register to vote and that we vote. With that, and, and by the way, feel free if you, if you want to just you've got to vote. You can vote for Trump if you want to, but if you you know if you do it, you ain't black. See, I can say it. I can say it. I can say it. I want somebody to come after me. Yeah, I said it. You know, yo, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. Now, all Joe Biden had to do was tag me in. All he had to do was tag me in. He could have set it up. He could have set up and go like, he should have gone, he go like, yo, um, I'm Joe Biden. And if you vote for Donald Trump, you ain't black. Bam, bam, bam. And that, that, that's all he would have done. That's all. And, he, and, and you would have been okay saying ain't and the rest of it. I all just, it. I just, I just. All of it. I've been, I've been fine with all of that. Okay, ah. you, can, you can drop the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's been, it's, I love our conversations. I love that Always. people ha- have come on and uh, joined our conversations as well. I want to thank uh, Dana O'Banion from the South Side of Chicago, uh, the attorney who has uh, published an anthology called Portraits of Fatherhood, and uh, the ever wonderful Laura Clack. I just adore this young woman and all that she does and, and the love she has for her son. And then you can hear that, of course, through Dana's conversations talking about his kids as well. Uh, so thank them uh, both for coming on today. And, and as always, I thank you for the pleasure of your company, Mr. Stephen Hill. And I use, I you as well, Sybil Walks. That was really, was that grammatically correct? And I you, yes, and I you was actually, that actually is grammatically correct. That's right. That's and correct. and it's also the initials for certain schools. So um, <laughs> let us. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening um, to uh, from ha-has to ahas. I hope you've had a little of both here today and as a part of your listening pleasure. I'm Sybil Wilkes, and he is... I am Stephen Hill, and that's it. Till next week, remember, go to Spotify. Uh, if you did, probably did if you're listening to this. Uh, subscribe, type in Sybil, Sybil Wilkes' name. It'll all come up. All right, we good? We good. We out? We out? Are we out? Wait, wait up. Uh, 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 uh. And we're out. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think we're out. I think we're done. I think we're done. Oh, wait, wait, are we done? Are we done? Wait, 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 are we done? Are we done? Wait. Ha ha, ha ha, Okay, now we're done. <laughs>